Uh, let's look now at Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing our series on relationships. Uh, relationships, a glorious mess. And um, I got a text from my daughter Whitney last week. I was uh, actually preaching in Colorado. And I tell you, I wish you could see what I was looking at when I was preaching last week. As we sang that song um, that uh, the Lord is... is um, uh, what is it? Come on, help me, Rick. Galaxy, where is Rick? He's not in here. There we go. God of wonders beyond all galaxies. You are holy. And I was singing that last week, looking at the Rocky Mountains, and just thinking that those mountains, as glorious there as they are, uh, they can't they can't compare. To, they can compare to God, but they can't compete with God. Um, and that He is that's just a just a small taste of His glory. And um, as I was preaching. Uh, Whitney, my daughter, sent me a text and said uh, that Chris was preaching a sermon entitled Single and Ready to Mingle. And I said, oh my goodness, what, <laughs> what is going on back home? But uh, anyway, I heard God bless last week and uh, it's so good to, to get away and not have to worry. Uh, but just to know that God's people are being blessed in worship. Um, as we continue this morning by looking at marriage, I want to recommend a couple of books. Mark Driscoll uh, has written a book called Real Marriage, The Truth About Sex, Friendship, and Life Together. Uh, I recommend this book, and you can get it on our table out there. And also Tim Keller has written a book entitled The Meaning of Marriage. Uh, both of these are excellent, excellent um, um, resources for you, and I encourage you to read them. Um, if you're married or not married. And that really leads into why, if you're not married, why you need to hear this sermon. Um, we are being preached to all day about relationships and all day about um, you know how we are to relate to one another. Uh, whether we're watching Grey's Anatomy, whether we're listening uh, to the radio, whether we're going to a movie, whether, whether we're reading a book, we are hearing sermons on relationships constantly. And so what we're trying to do here uh, in the past weeks and in the weeks ahead is reprogram. Uh, we believe that God's Word is uh, the form and the structure and the model for our relationships, whether it's being single, whether it's or getting married, or parenting. Um, God's Word is the truth. It is the truth. And that's why we come to it, and we all need to think biblically. And what we've seen so far is that marriage doesn't last. Uh, but the only relationship that's going to last is the relationship between Christ and His bride. And so as we talk about marriage, we need to think about the, the bigger relationship of my relationship to Jesus and Christ and the church. And so there's nothing irrelevant about what you're going to hear, no matter if you're single or married or divorced or widowed or wherever you are, uh, no matter how old you are, we need to hear this and apply it in those contexts. Uh, so let's do that now as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, 
and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of His body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Father, we desperately need you this morning, and I more than anyone. Father, I confess that I am not the husband that Jesus is. <laughs> and on many days, I am far from it. I've shown both deep weakness and evil dominance. Um, I have abdicated my authority and I have misused my authority. I have not been the head that you are to me, Lord Jesus. But thank you this morning that I am not preaching out of my life of success. <laughs> but Jesus, I thank you for full atonement. I thank you that you are perfect in my place. I thank you that you meet us at the point of our failures and you fill us up. I thank you that there's hope for tomorrow. <laughs> and oh God, that, that there's hope for change. And so I pray that You would come by Your Spirit and You would minister to us in this room. Oh God, You need to deprogram and reprogram what and how we think about marriage. And so Father, I pray that You would come and I pray that You would meet us with truth and grace. And that God, You would correct us and yet You would accept us. Father, we pray that indeed You would bless this and that You would be glorified and that the gospel would be preached. Lord Jesus, may I decrease and may You increase. And we pray in Your name. Amen. My oldest daughter, Whitney, started a job at St. Jude back around Thanksgiving of 2012. And over Christmas, she took myself and my wife Rachel and Ashley and Amy, our other two daughters, on a tour of St. Jude. And yet, she didn't lead the tour. She had one of her co-workers who um, actually was a patient at St. Jude for much of his uh, childhood and teen years. And as he showed us around St. Jude, he was telling us about being a patient when he was growing up. And he was talking about the excellent care and the sacrifice uh, on behalf of the doctors and the nurses and how it didn't cost his family anything. How they laid down their lives, how they laid down their knowledge, how they laid down everything that they could possibly lay down to ensure that he got the treatment and the care that he needed. And because of that, because of that kind of headship and, and, and leadership, he said, I want to spend the rest of my life working right here. I want to come and I want to submit myself to this because this is bigger than anything I've ever witnessed. It had such a life-changing impact on him that he wanted to submit to it. And I want to propose this morning that all of us in this room are longing for authority to submit to. Authority that has our best interest in mind, that is willing to lay down itself for us. 
because we have been created in the image of God and yet we are not God. We are dependent creatures made by God for God. And in that light, He has shown us His love. You see, He didn't just stand up in heaven and say, I am the ruler of heaven and earth. Obey me. He didn't just give us the Ten Commandments, but what did He do? He came down. And He said, here are the Ten Commandments and you have broken every single one of them. And if I judge you by my law, you're dead. And so I come down and I live the life that you could never live. I live under the law for you to take that burden off of you so that now through my life and then through my death, me becoming your sin, we can be reconciled in relationship. I die that you might live. And out of that, we submit gladly unto the Savior. When we understand what He's done for us, that produces a radical obedience. And that is the power of dying for somebody else. We want to come under that authority and be loved by an authority that will, that will direct its dying toward us that we might benefit. Paul begins his teaching on the roles of marriage with these words, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're talking this morning about Christian marriage. And it's a distinction. You see, Christian marriage is different because it seeks to submit to Jesus and live according to what He says. Christian marriage is different from any other marriage because in Christian marriage we come under Jesus and we respond to His grace and we love each other and we lead and we serve outside of that. And so the question this morning is, is the gospel, is the person of Jesus the thing in your life? To the extent that He is, you can move forward with Christian marriage. To the extent that He's not, you're not going to understand Christian marriage. You see, the problem that I have with much of the teaching in the church today about marriage is it's principle-based. But you can't, I can't just give you principles because you in your sinful self and me in my sinful self will pervert them. I will take this teaching and I will say, woman, you better, you better submit to me. <laughs> and yet when the gospel comes deep in my heart, the gospel says two things. It says, Richard, you are worse than you ever believe you are at any given moment. And yet in that same moment, simultaneously, you are more loved and accepted in Christ than you've ever dared to hope. And that humbles my heart and it enlivens my heart. I am sinful, I am adulterous, and yet my, my husband loves me. The Lord Jesus loves me. See, Paul said this to the body of Christ. He said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Here's the protection of marriage. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But He made Himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being, being made in, in human appearance, he submitted, he, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is, that is the rule of marriage. That is the rule of Christian community. We are all under the authority of one who has died for us. 
So is the gospel that big to you? Do you understand that you have cancer and someone better than St. Jude came for you? And his name is Jesus. Have you had this life-changing reality come crashing down on your mind and heart to the point that it is the thing that you obey, that, that it is the thing that you submit to, it is the thing, it is the most traumatic thing in your life that overshadows any other trauma that's happened to you and you say, I must live for this God because He came for me. Dear friends, if not, then God be with you if you try to apply these principles. (laughs) You, You see, you can't do it. And so we're looking at Christian marriage this morning And the first thing I want us to see is that Paul calls us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So many start with verse 22, and yet Paul intended for verse 21 to be the intro into and really the foundation of all the other principles and all the other teaching of of the following verses. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And here's the point. Mutual submission fuels deep friendship. Mutual submission fuels deep friendship. The primary purpose of marriage is to, is to build deep friendship. I've been preaching now for probably 20 years, and Rachel and I have been married. I've been preaching longer. I've actually been preaching about 25 years, but anyway. And Rachel and I have been married almost 30. And any preacher will tell you that it, it, preaching is one of the most vulnerable things, if not the most vulnerable thing you can do. Uh, because what you do week after week is you just you study, you pour into the text, you try to understand how to apply it, and you bring your own life into the story to try to connect with those to whom you're preaching and, and pastoring. And because of that, you just feel almost naked at the end of a sermon. You feel like you've put yourself out there and you don't know, man, have I connected, have I not connected? You feel accountable to God to be faithful to His Word, and you're just always in this, 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 this battle. And so inside my marriage, so much of the time, Rachel doesn't see that battle going on inside of me, but it's going on, and when we go home, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for her to say something. Especially those days when I don't feel like I've done, you know, that, that, that I've really communicated in a way that connected or whatever, or maybe on some of those days when I really feel like I have. If she doesn't say something, I get my feelings hurt. Now... I'm 48 years old, but I want you to know that emotionally, on many days, I'm about 10. Because I'll sit there and I'll mope. Instead of communicating, I'll just kind of wait. And then after moping, I start getting mad. Well, that unappreciative. I can't believe... For days. And she has no clue what's going on. And that's the, that's the pattern of my life. And it is so for two reasons. One, I'm a man. <laughs> and you know, men are different from women. Anybody know that in here? We are different. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we see, In His image God created them, male and female He created them. He did, amen to that. He didn't create just male. He didn't create just female. And both together reflect God more than just one apart. 
And so what we know about men is that we define success in terms of independence and women define success and maturity uh, in light of interdependence. Now, these are generalities, but they're true, okay? It doesn't mean, just take it for what it is. Don't get mad at me yet. I'm going to give you a whole lot of other things to get mad at me about, but not that, alright? Um, and so, as a man, I'm standing over here looking at success and independence, being a self-made man. I don't need anybody around me, and therefore I'm not real in tune with my emotions and feelings. And so when it gets on that level, it's like I'm 10 years old and probably younger. I, I just don't know. I mean, when we get in an argument or we, you know, there, there's friction, I mean, I try to avoid it, I, I shut up, I, kinda, I'm, I just don't know what to do. And I'm a grown man. But secondly, I'm not just a man, I'm a man with a story. You see, when I was nine, my dad put me in his lap and said, I'm leaving. And so the man that I trusted the most left. And so I'm a man that learned early on the people you trust the most disappoint you the most. And so no matter what I tell myself, no matter what... You, that's just who I am. I have a hard time trusting, even maybe especially my wife. And yet, here's the reality. Paul tells us that we are to submit to one another. And what he's telling us is that marriage is friendship. You, you say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Let me tell you, I've been out of town for the last week, and I, I've been with two different friends. And they are they, we've been friends for 20, 25 years. I mean, I've known these guys a long time. And the reason that we're friends is because of submission. You see, one of us doesn't get up and say, okay, I printed a schedule today for you, and this is, this is what we're doing today. I, I mean, believe me, if anybody does that in my life, they're not going to be my friend, okay? But when we're, you know, we get up, we go, hey, man, what do you want to do for breakfast? Well, I don't know. I mean, I thought we'd go here. Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's go. It's submission, you know? Well, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? I mean, we go to the store. We go... You see, we're, we're, we're submitting to one another, and to the degree that we do that, to the degree that we are deferring to one another and thinking about the other, we have friendship. And that is marriage. But it's marriage, it's marriage is friendship on steroids. <laughs> because what my wife has to do to be my friend is she's got to accept me as a man when she's a woman. And she's got to accept me as a man who has a story. And do you see now what marriage is? It is a friendship in which I can move into and I can be healed or destroyed. She can come in and she can try to change me and say, you're just, you're just the biggest fool. I'm or she can come in and she can say, I understand that you are a man with a story. And, this, and, and communicating to me is not natural to you. And then she calls me out and then she, she, she fights with and for me and she calls me to something better and she's pulling me over here and oh man, I'd rather somebody skin me alive on most days. I don't want to get in tune with my emotions. I don't want to think about how I'm feeling. I want to think about what I'm doing, not how I'm feeling. And yet, she is a woman with a story too. You see, a woman defines maturity as... Um, interdependence. And that's why some of you women, let's take a break from marriage, let's go over here. Women in the workplace. I didn't plan on doing this, but it's been fascinating to me to read about this and to think about it. Um, the reason, and I admire you women who are in the workplace because of this. You, Because women were out of the workplace for so many years, it became a male-dominated community. 
in which independence defined the workplace. And yet you are trying to go into as a woman, and that's not how you, they're trying to force you to be a man. If they have a brain, they're going to start listening to you and they're going to start thinking about the, con- you know, the, the prospects of, uh, of marriage and, and, and the beauty of gender differences and realize that you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle between independence and, 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 and interdependence and it's going to be a successful company. But that's not typically what you, um, what you, what you experience and you've got to get ahead by acting like a man because most don't respect you for being a woman. And I'm sorry for that. Uh, because it's it's bad and it's wrong, uh, but that's the world you live in. All right, back to marriage. Um, Rachel has a story, and her story is that she thought she had the perfect dad until she was about eighteen. And it came out that her dad had numerous affairs. And he literally, I I believe I was there in the room when he said this, when she asked, how many affairs have you had? And and he said, "I, I don't remember. Now, you take a girl who is defined success and defines herself in terms of community and interdependence. Family at that point is, is everything. It's the most important thing. And this man that she trusted for 18, 19 years of her life all of a sudden is nothing like who she thought. And then Rachel gets married to me. And when she's suspicious of me, when it's hard for her to trust me, I can say, you just need to get over your... You need to trust Jesus. Or I can say, this is a woman with a story. And I better shut up. And I better listen. And I better feel. And I better come out of myself. Because she's a woman with a story. Marriage because of our genders and our stories, is tough. It's two wounded and weak sinners differing in gender, differing in stories that are coming under the authority of Jesus, crying out, saying, make us whole. Make us whole. And if you don't understand that, headship and submission, is ju- you're just going to ruin it. But you're going to do that anyway. And that's okay. <laughs> because of Jesus and the cross. But the first thing that you have to understand is marriage is Friendship. Mutual submission one to the other. But then Paul does something weird. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And so what he's saying here is, to women, or to wives, is submit, submit. Okay, they're not the only ones submitting, but they have to submit. It's crazy. It's not crazy. It's brilliant is what it is. So let's look at it. Wives are to submit, submit, and respect their husbands. Let's talk about this. Julie, a fictitious person I'm making up, um, is a woman who uh, was abused by men, her father, and, and, and basically misused by men all her life. When she got married, she determined no man was ever going to treat me like that again. And so what her husband experiences is this. A woman who is closed off and who all day, every day is letting him know that you are not going to take advantage of me. And she's bold and she's brash and she seeks to dominate him because she's never going to be dominated again. But then you have Susan, another made-up person, who 
can't imagine life without a man. And so she gives herself to men in any and every way. And she'll never stand up. She'll never say a word. She's full of fear that she's going to be left because she experienced her father leaving. She experienced the men in her life letting her down. And so she just keeps giving herself, no matter how they treat her, no matter how they abuse her, no matter what they do to her, she keeps submitting herself. And those are two extremes of what submission doesn't look like. Genesis 3 tells the story of what's wrong with us in the world. In short, God has cursed it in response to our rebellion. And the the ramifications of that, the, the, the waves of that go everywhere. There's, there's sin, there's death, there's sickness, there's poverty, there's, there, you know, that you can't trust the financial markets, you can't trust anything, there's unpredictability in creation, in the weather, in everything. But what it, but, but how it manifests itself in marriage is very clear because God tells us in Genesis 3, 16b, He said to the woman, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now you compare that with Genesis 2.24 where the man and the woman were both naked and unashamed. Where Adam woke up and there's Eve and he says, Whoa, now bone of my bones. You were bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. You should be called woman for you were taken out of man. I mean, this is like, the, this, I'm completed. And then all of a sudden Adam and Eve realize they're defeated. Because the woman is longing for the intimacy of the garden. Longing to be accepted and loved and delighted in. But all the husband can think about is being independent and being a self-made man and moving out here. He is defining life this way. She is defining life this way. And both are in trouble. seems cruel then that God would tell a woman, a wife, to submit to a husband, doesn't it? But remember, that's not all the story. <laughs> you see, if you go back to the first chapter of Ephesians, you are reminded right off the bat that Paul is, is talking to Christians. He said, in love He has predestined you to be adopted as sons through Christ. In chapter 4, Paul goes to his knees and he prays that this is my prayer for you, that you would know how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ for you, so that you might be filled to the fullness of God. And we have a God that can do exceeding abundantly beyond what we ask or even imagine. Because His power is at work within us. You see, you can't just take Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, and say, okay, let's do it. No, you've got to bring it out and you've got to remember that Paul is referring to Christian marriage. That's why, um, that's why I'm, I'm preaching about Christian marriage. This stuff is dangerous outside of Christian marriage. Amen. And to be honest with you, it's been dangerous inside the church. And I'm going to talk about that in a second too. But remember, Paul is writing to Christians and he's calling women not to go deeper into oppression but love. For the very nature of love is submission. For God so loved the world that He sat on His throne and waited for His people to get it right. <laughs> for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Do you want to know about headship? Do you want to know about submitting to headship? There it is. Christian marriage. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You see, love and submission, love and obedience are just... You can't separate them. Jesus' love is our confidence to submit to each other in marriage, but it's also the woman's power to submit, submit. See, let me just make this clear before we go into what submission is. We need to make very clear that the woman, and and this is crazy, how we in the church, I I thought a lot about that this week, is how when we're so afraid to talk about submission in marriage. Why? Because we think that that's the only context within, you know, that, that someone's supposed to submit. We don't get the Christian life. Listen to First Peter chapter two, verse thirteen. Submit yourselves, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Do you realize that submission is the fruit of the Spirit in your life? If you're not accountable to authority, then then basically you you're not submitting to Jesus. Because he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king. Yeah, but you don't know who my king is. You know, you know who the king was then? He was not a nice dude. As the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And then you, you can read that whole... Uh, all those verses. Then come to chapter 3 of First Peter, and we read this. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, just as you're submissive, men and women, to each other in all different contexts and communities, whether it's government, church, now even marriage, wives submit to your husbands. You see, they're not alone in, their, in, their, in the command to submit. So don't think, well, I'm a man, I don't have to submit. No, if you're a Christian, you have to submit. In fact, submission is a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Humility, servant leadership, that's what we're called to. The wife, therefore, is not isolated in her submission. But beyond that, the roles of marriage are rooted not in the fall, but in the the trinity. Submission and headship are not a result of the fall. They are a result of the Trinity. There exists an order in the world, in the cosmos, if you will, because everything is patterned after this triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons, yet one God. There is an order there that is in the universe. (laughs) And it's in our lives, and we better not break it. And marriage is just one part of that. Do you understand, women, that you are being called to submit to a husband if you're married just as Jesus must submit to His Father? When He came here, do you remember in John 6.38, He said, I didn't come to do My will, but the will of Him who sent Me. Do you understand that? Jesus laid down His authority and said, I did not come to do My will, but the will of Him who sent me, submission is beautiful. And the Trinity, it's what makes the Trinity the Trinity. It's love of the Father. And you say, yeah, but He was Jesus. Do you know what the Father asked Him to do? He put Him in a cross. He hung Him to a tree. And you know what Jesus said? Take this cup from Me, please. But not I will. 
but Your will. Don't let my will be done. You let Your will be done. Even if it means I die. Even if it means I go to hell. Women, you are playing the role of Jesus. And why is it? I don't know. The Scriptures don't tell us why. They just tell us that it is. And when you rage against it, you've got to remember, are you just as angry that Jesus had to submit to the Father? It doesn't tell us why. It just tells us that it is. And yet, also, it doesn't tell us how. Now, hear me on this. Um, the Scriptures don't tell us the application of submission. But the church seems to, to do that quite often. When I was growing up, submission meant the wife stays at home with the kids. And I would read Proverbs 31, and I'm looking at a woman who's out buying land, making a profit, sowing. I mean, she's busier than the guy is. She's making more money than the guy. I'm like, what's the guy doing if she's doing all this? We've got to be careful. Uh, my daughter went back to work. She has two children. And... All those old images and all those old messages of 20, 30 years ago were coming back to me. And yet I went to the Word. I said, Word, you're my authority. You know what, my, what the Word says? It just says, submit to your husband. It doesn't say what that looks like. Matter of fact, if you go to, as I said, if you go to Proverbs 31, it looks a whole lot like that. <laughs> so it doesn't tell us how. It just tells us to. And also, submission to one's husband never overrules a woman's submission to Jesus. Acts 5.29 says, We must obey God rather than men. And wives, that means you too. You are never to follow your husband into sin. I've seen women stay in abusive marriages thinking that God is calling them to submit to the beating of their husband. And let me tell you something, that's from the devil. <laughs> and if you're here today and that's what you're doing, you come to me, you come to some of the men in our church, and we'll step in and we will protect you. In fact, as we looked at in Genesis 3, excuse me, Genesis 2, uh, it was not good for the man to be alone, so God made a helper suitable for Adam. As we looked at that, that, that word, the Hebrew word helper suitable, um, refers to not somebody doing the dishes in the kitchen quietly having babies, you know, but it's somebody who comes to the assistance of somebody else in battle. We sang this morning that God, or we, we read in our, uh, our responsive reading that God is our helper. That's the same word. It refers to God. And so what does God do? When we're in a battle with sin or we're in a battle in the world, God comes and He's our helper. He fights along with us. That's what a woman is. It's a strong image. It's not some passive image. And so what I need as a man is for a woman to come alongside of me and fight with and for me. And that sometimes means standing up against me. Why? Because I'm a sinner and I don't have it all together. 
But at the end of the day, then, what does it mean? I mean, the only thing that I've seen and, and read and the only thing I can take from it is that it means submission is tie, or headship is tie-breaking authority. So here we go. <laughs> Look, again, I think our understanding of the perversion of headship and submission is what we're reacting to, not this, because it's in everything. When you learn to play football, you just you try as a little kid to stand up to your coach and say, I'm ain't submitting to you. Well, then you're off the team, you know. You try in a classroom, I'm not going to do that assignment by Friday. You get out of my classroom. You try it in any context. Try it in work. I think that's why so many are having a hard time working today because we've lost this headship submission in the home. And then people, you know, we, we define manhood as I don't, I don't, you know, answer to anybody. Well, you're right, but you're the only one. Even Jesus answered to somebody, His Father. I mean, it's utter pride. It's, it's ridiculous. So why do we have such a hard time with it? It's because of the abuse of it. Remember, in the context of Christian marriage, and wait, ladies, we're going to get to the men in a second, okay? <laughs> the fall has perverted it. But what we're, what we're doing is we're coming into the dance of the Trinity, and we're experiencing God in a way that we can't experience Him in, in many other ways. The only other way is in the church. So husbands, submit, submit. I mean, excuse me, wives, submit, submit. If you're a good husband, do that too. No. Wives, submit, submit. But then, thirdly, husbands are to love as they love their own bodies. Rachel and I still watch, let's try to lighten things up a little bit. Rachel and I like to watch The Biggest Loser still, and um, we really do like that show. I find myself eating more when I'm watching that show, and I don't know why. I love to eat chips and watch The Biggest Loser, and I, there's got to be something twisted about that. But uh, as I'm watching it, um, you know, I so admire the people on there, I really do. And, you know, as you get deep into their stories, what you see is that typically there's trauma in their lives. There, there's something there that made them stop loving themselves. Now, I say that, and I want you to know everything in me cringes. You know, we're not supposed to love our, you know, we're, we're sinners, so you know, we don't love Jesus, yeah. But I'm talking about in a biblical sense. They have defined themselves by the worthlessness of some tragedy or trauma or abuse or something. And you get to this text and you see that Paul tells men to love their wives as they love themselves. As they love their own bodies. And guys, we love our bodies, don't we? We feed and care for it. We don't miss a meal. We cry out when a meal is missed. And you see, and if you go back to Genesis um, 2, which um, Paul does here, the man and the woman are to leave father and mother, and they're to be united as one. One what? One body. So in that body, the man is the head and, and the woman is the body. Well, you think about it. The body is as good as the head. Ouch. How's your marriage, guys? Guess whose fault it is? See, listen to Paul's words. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her 
to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Men, are your wives flourishing? It's your fault if they're not. There's no leading without loving. And the best leadership is always sacrificial. Man, here's what you're to do. Think about how God loves you in light of your sin. You sin, Jesus says, I die. You don't obey the law, Jesus says, I'll obey the law for you. Jesus is always coming behind you and in front of you and around you and He is doing what you can't do for yourself. That's what you're to do for your wife. You are to get creative. We are to get creative. We are to try to see what makes, what makes our wives shine, what their gifts are, what their interests are. We are to know them as we know ourselves and we are to love on them so that they might go out and that they might be the witnesses of God's glory and light to the world. Why? Because we're dying that they might live. We are pushing them up. We are pushing them forward because that's what Christ has done for us. We are to die. Servant leadership. That's the only kind of leadership. What does it take to be a good husband? What does it take to be a good leader? A good leader listens. A bad leader thinks he already knows. A good leader gets good counsel. (laughs) He listens to the counsel of his wife. He doesn't think he knows. But then a good leader leads. You see, I think a lot of us as men are scared to lead because we're afraid that we're going to lead in a wrong direction. And you know what? You are. So get over yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm convinced. I look at this. I can't tell you how many times I've studied this, you know, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and Ephesians 5, and I keep saying I just don't get it because my wife, I think, gets it a whole lot more on most things. It's almost like he gave the headship and authority to the, the you know, the, the most ignorant one. I mean, <laughs> you know, the guy, but, but what is it about a man? A man will do it. A man will choose a direction and go. And I'm not saying women are indecisive and don't take me for that. But maybe we just don't have enough sense to not go sometimes, you know? But you know what, men? You're called to go. And if you're paralyzed by fear, go to Jesus. Because He doesn't tell us that, that you know, the success of our marriage depends on perfect decisions. He just says, go out and lead. And then your wife's role is to come alongside of you and not to point you, point, you know, say, oh, I told you so, but to come alongside and say, honey, I know, you're a man with a story, and I'm a woman with a story, and we're just struggling, and we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And you see, that's respect in a marriage. You know what a man needs most? He doesn't say love. It says respect. Why? Because we're supposed to be leading. And whoever's leading is making mistakes. And instead of getting a finger in the face, what we need is for a woman, a wife, to come alongside of us and say, Honey, it's okay. It's okay. We're going we're gonna to get there. I respect you. You get up. And let's keep walking. Man, is that what we need? <laughs> but what do we fear? We fear rejection. We fear getting it wrong. 
But man, we've got to lead. We've got we've to listen. We've got to get counsel. And then we've got to make a decision. Because our family depends on us to do so. Do you hear me? There are too many guys bringing children into the world and not taking responsibility. And there are too many of us inside marriages bringing children into the world and not taking responsibility. Thinking that it's the wife, she'll get it while well, I go play golf or hunt or fish or whatever. And dear, He's called us to lead. He's called us to die. He's called us to, to be a servant to our family. Because that's what Jesus is for us. So a woman submits, a man leads, and now do you understand why we both need Jesus? (laughs) It's a Christian marriage I'm preaching about this morning. If you're not married, don't marry somebody who's not a Christian. And if you're not married, don't marry somebody who's by Christian in name only. The most important thing is not what they look like to you. It's not what they make your heart do. It's not the kind thing... Do they love Jesus and is their life genuinely submitted to Him? Because in those dark moments, in those hard moments, that is all that's going to matter. And husbands and wives, if you want a good marriage, submit to Jesus. And let's repent. Let's repent. And let's move forward under His grace and by His power. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for grace. We have failed. We are failing. But Jesus, You did not. And greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. And thank You that indeed, Lord Jesus, because of Your love for me, I can love my wife. And because of Your love for my wife, she can love me and submit to me and be my friend. And thank You that we can submit to one another and we can battle it out. Continue to change us, O God. Do great things in this body. And may we be a reflection as Your bride of great submission to You. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your presence in this place this morning. May we go out in Your love now. In Jesus' name, Amen.